Trump has sort of owned this news cycle by saying he will be indicted. I mean, I'm sure his lawyers mm-hmm. got a heads up, but like he's mm-hmm. sort of creating the entire news cycle around this. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Wednesday, March 22nd. Today, Tara Palmieri joins me to talk about the implications of Donald Trump possibly getting indicted in Manhattan over alleged hush money payments to porn star Stormy Daniels. How will it impact Trump's presidential campaign? How are Fox News and CNN covering the story? And why are Democrats actually pretty queasy about an unprecedented indictment of a former president? Tara has all the angles. We'll discuss all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I'm joined by Tara Palmieri today to talk about the likely indictment of former President Donald Trump. This is coming from the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, led by Alvin Bragg, who, you know, in fairness, unlike uh, New York Attorney General Letitia James, who's pursuing another criminal case against Trump, isn't necessarily an avowed Democrat. He's trying to do this by the book, but it's causing a lot of concern among Democrats, among Republicans, in the media. I mean, this is unprecedented territory. A former president has never, ever been indicted for a crime. And Tara is here to talk with me about all the angles. Uh, How are you doing, Tara? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. You're in D.C. right now. I want to ask you a kind of unexpected question to start out with here. We're hearing a lot, and you've written about this on Puck, about how his Republican rivals might treat this indictment if it comes, how it might play out in the media. How is this unfolding, though, among Democrats right now? Because there's definitely the resistance Twitter crowd, like the Keith Olbermann types who are like, we're finally getting Donald Trump. Like the time has come. But I think more pragmatic elected Democrats and strategists feeling a little more anxious and uncertain about indicting a former president. What are you hearing in D.C. from Democrats? Absolutely. Um, They're not taking this lightly. And I think that's why you're not hearing a lot of electeds actually talking about it. You know, I think Hakeem Jeffries sort of stated that he didn't think it was appropriate for Bragg to be brought in before the weaponization of government committee. But he's not really talking about the charges. None of these Democrats are really talking about the charges because truthfully, the quiet conversation here in D.C. is like, Of all the investigations going on into Trump, this is Mm -hmm. not the strongest. And it's an old case from six years ago. It's in New York. They would have liked to have rather seen Georgia try to get him on challenging democracy, bigger issues than like a payment to a porn star. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, there's always the documents, which obviously is weakened by Joe Biden's failure to retain documents properly. But they just feel like this isn't really the strongest case. People who know Bragg, And his reputation in New York, he's taken a lot of heat for um, not prosecuting um, lower level crimes. In fact, he issued a memo two days after taking office telling district attorneys to avoid prosecuting minor offenses. And, you know, low level crimes have gone up in New York. Uh, The mayor, Eric Adams, disagreed with him on this decision. And so I think there's just a feeling of like, okay, we've got some problems in our own backyard and that maybe this isn't exactly the fight on a dusty old case. And I just think... Hmm. I've heard from a lot of Democrats that 
there's just a silence. But here's the thing. They see it as a present tense gift to Trump to fuel mm. his relevance again, his mm. revenge for a second term. It helps him with mm. his base. It makes him the nominee. And I think ultimately that's really bad for the GOP because I don't think that he is the strongest nominee. And I think it's actually good for Biden because ultimately it would be better for Biden to be up against Trump. It kind of disqualifies the age issue. He's already beaten him. And if you're trying to pick a nominee, then an indictment like this is good because it will help Trump support among his base of voters, making him the nominee. And then he'll go on to run against Biden and the same independents, women, swing voters, Republicans turned independents will be again turned off by the Trump show and not wanting to vote for an indicted future president. So I want to ask you more about those Republicans in a minute, including that committee you mentioned in the House. But I think the sentiment among Democrats was really distilled on Sunday by Mark Kelly, the senator, Democratic senator from Arizona, swing state. He won his reelection by four or five points. He's a, let's call him a moderate. That's what he is. But he kind of understands the political climate and he's not one of these raging resistance libs on Twitter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and this is the one thing he said on, on State of the Union was, quote, we're a country of laws and nobody's above the law. I think it's very important for the Manhattan DA to look into this thoroughly. If they come to the conclusion that he should be charged, the former president has some constitutional rights. And this is a process that's going to be worked out between him and his lawyers. I hope that if they brought charges, that they have a strong case because this is unprecedented. And Democrats, I think some of them think what you think, which is there are more serious crimes. I think some of them genuinely worry about public safety concerns and Trump just like, you know, becoming one more relevant and two, giving ammo to his base and riling them up. And yeah, I mean, I think three, like a little bit of a combination of both. Like this is this is the case we're going to drop on him. I'm personally like of two minds about this. Like one. Yeah, it's an old case. Yeah, there's feels like there's more serious uh, violations of the law or possible violations of the law that Trump has committed intelligence classified documents, maybe financial crimes, inciting an insurrection perhaps, um, that led to Capitol Police officers dying. And yet, you know, the flip side of it is like this, unlike a lot of other Trump scandals, like this one's like pretty easy to understand for people. He paid off a porn star to win, help, help himself win an election. And his former closest aide, Michael Cohen, was already prosecuted for this. And so, yeah, I mean, I just think this is in keeping with sort of the official Democratic Party, you know, proceed with caution, see what happens. I don't know. Do you, do you know any Democrats who are just like hyped about this? No, I haven't heard any Democrats like actually be hyped about it. It's not even an FEC violation. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, because they would say, oh, use your own money. Right. And that's what he did. It's kind of like, I don't know. I just think it's not as clear cut. And the DOJ decided not to prosecute him on this. Democrats are not really riled up about it. Yeah. They kind of just feel like, oh, great. This is just making Trump relevant again. But I think long term, though, it really does help Biden ultimately. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of us in the media, Democrats, get twisted up about like the horse race in the game of this. Like, who will this help? Who will this hurt? I think a lot of the concern that this will like revive Trump kind of overstates his support in the party right now, maybe, but also like his support in the country. Like, Trump doesn't have superpowers. Like something like 60% of Americans think he should be prosecuted for January 6th. Like most Americans, like independents in a general election, like would be kind of fine with the prosecution. It's this whole like 
primary dance that I think is the main focus right now. Right. It's bad for the Republicans, truly. And also, I mean, it's sucking up all of the oxygen out of their retreat in Florida, and they have a ton of national reporters there covering it, and it's all about Trump. Which which retreat? The House Republicans? Yeah, the House Republican retreat. You know, it's also sort of interesting that Trump's lawyer said he'll turn himself in, but like, it could have been a moment of truth with Ron DeSantis, where he would have made him sweat a little bit about whether to extradite him or not, or to, Mm -hmm. you know, refuse an extradition. Because if Ron DeSantis extradites him, it will infuriate Trump's base, right? If he doesn't extradite Mm -hmm. him, I mean, he's a lawyer. Ron DeSantis is a lawyer. It would probably Mm -hmm. be really difficult for him to sort of mentally wrap his head around it. Again, he has become such a political animal, I'm sure he would have refused the extradition. But then again, if he does refuse the extradition, it makes him a hero as well. So it was like, sort of this catch 22 that Trump was in. So he's just like, you know what, I'm just gonna I'm going to turn myself in instead of giving Ron DeSantis the glory, but maybe making him sweat a little bit before he decides what he's going to do. I mean, the way Ron DeSantis handled it is probably the way the other GOP candidates are going to handle it. Knife Trump a little bit, a little shiv over. Well, I wouldn't know anything about porn stars and hush payments, which is really saying, God, this guy's got a lot of baggage. I'm a better version of him, able to actually make the MAGA agenda happen. Mm -hmm. But this is a weaponization of the government going back Mm -hmm. and hitting Biden, right? And showing that he's playing for the same team. He's trying to say, I'm the better player on the team. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's just interesting. And then, of course, Donald Trump Jr. called him a rhino. So... And, and I, I'm not sure what the others are going to say, probably along the same lines, but it's they're going to try to figure out a way to remind voters that don't really care about electability, by the way, that Trump has a lot of baggage and that this is an, this is an example of it. Yeah, I want to ask you a little bit more about that and the other Republicans and how this plays out on Fox News, CNN and MSNBC when we come back. Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right, I found that on Etsy, it's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic, try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Welcome back to the powers that be, everyone. Terry, you were just saying something smart, I think, which is the way DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, uh, who is all but certain to run for president in 2024, responded to this was like winking at the fact that Trump paid off a porn star. That's something I would never do. But look, I don't know that much about it. 
uh, but it's still politically driven. I mean, and I, I do think that's a smart answer, honestly, like remind people of Trump's baggage, but also maybe talk about or accuse the government of just, you know, uh, going after Trump uh, as a target, but just kind of moving on. How have the other Republicans who might run or are running, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, for example, what are they saying about this? I have not heard anything from them. <laughs> I don't know if it's because they haven't been asked or if I have not been paying as close attention. You know, I mm-hmm. sort of, unfortunately for them, have not really been thinking of them as major factors. I did notice that, you know, Kevin McCarthy went after Alvin Bragg at the retreat in Florida. I guess that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Nikki Haley says, looming Trump indictment says more about revenge than justice. She said she considered the potential indictment a rumor. And it's kind of true. Like Trump has sort of owned this news cycle by saying he will be indicted. I mean, I'm sure his lawyers Mm -hmm. got a heads up, but like he's Mm -hmm. sort of creating the entire news cycle around this by leaking Mm -hmm. it, putting it out there, calling to arms. Now there's security stories. Nikki Haley says that she thinks it's all being done for political points, but she didn't go as so far as to shiv Trump in the same way that uh, Ron DeSantis Mm -hmm. did. And talking about news cycle, actually, I missed what Mike Pence says, which speaks to Mike Pence's attentional powers at this point. But he did sit down with Jonathan Carl from ABC in Iowa over the weekend, actually, and I missed that. But Pence said what you and I sort of were just saying we would have thought he said. I'm taken aback at the idea of indicting a former president of the United States at a time when there's a crime wave in New York City. And Pence said that this is a, quote, politically charged prosecution. So, yeah, they're avoiding it. I mean, this is the thing. It's like Trump's biggest strength is victimhood. I'm a political target. They're coming after me. And that just defines the Republican Party in a lot of ways. And so that's why you're seeing these Republicans say, take the side of Team Trump here without getting into it. But yeah, I mean, uh, as much buzz as there is around Ron DeSantis, it's still very clear that the conversation in the Republican Party revolves around Donald Trump, whether he is diminished or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that brings me to my next question. How do you think Fox News talks about this? Have you been watching a lot of Fox News the last few days? (laughs) I have, actually. I've been watching it. It's, you know, they're talking about it as a political witch hunt. They're calling Alvin Bragg a liberal. But they don't seem to be really coming to Trump's aid in the same way Hmm. that they did after the seizure of the documents at Mar-a-Lago, in which you saw a lot of, like, dramatic footage of the FBI raid and this and that. So, like... You know, a lot of politicians calling in, saying how outraged they were. It doesn't seem to have that same sort of intensity. In fact, I was watching during the day and there was a lot of true crime stuff they were covering. Like Nancy Grace Mm. was on and Mm. there were stories about, you know, the immigration. And it wasn't the way it was like 24 hours FBI seizure kind of coverage. Right. We'll see about evening, but I would think that they'll stick to attacking the prosecutor, saying it's a banana republic, Democratic uh, administration investigating Trump. But I think ultimately it'll... At the same uh, time, again, you're just going to see pictures of Stormy Daniels all over the screen here. I mean, like you can talk about Donald Trump's indictment and like (laughs) you're reminding voters too about like his baggage and the fact that he, you know, allegedly paid off a porn star. So it's just like, while it's good for Trump in the context that they're talking about him, it's still gently reminding people all the time that there's this baggage, there's this baggage, there's this baggage. Totally. That they're tired of, they're fatigued. And I think that's going to ultimately hurt him in the general. Like, who wants to vote for a candidate who has potential legal issues that are going to take up a lot of his time and energy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree with you on that. It's not good for it. It's not good. And it's, again... The Democrats would love Trump to be the nominee. So there you go. And speaking of Democrats, so the one thing I'm, I've am i been interested in lately is like 
What kind of liberal beating heart does MSNBC have? Is it the official organ of like the Biden administration and like Democrats in Congress? Or is it is it just playing to sort of outrage, like liberal outrage, the kind of resistancy types who want to see Trump indicted finally? And I kind of feel like it's the latter. And so, you know, I'm interested to see how MSNBC covers this. Are they going to celebrate it? And they might celebrate it on its merits if there's an indictment. Um, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know if you're going to see a ton of conversations over there about like how this might be good or bad. But I am really interested in how CNN covers it. And I mean, I know you and Dylan wrote about this and Dylan likes to highlight CNN's ratings lately not being very good. But I think this actually kind of plays their strengths just to dig through all the different, the substantive legal angles and also the political angles here. How are they covering this on CNN? Because for the Trump years, like CNN was the nonstop hair on fire. Trump is bringing out the end of the world network and CNN now under Chris Licht is trying to be a little more, if not even handed, just calmer. And I don't know. I feel like this is like something that might actually, I don't know, play to their strengths. What do you think? I think you're right. I haven't been watching, to be completely honest. I've been so busy watching Fox. But uh, Dylan seems to think that some of the loudest voices on CNN, like Don Lemon and Jake Tapper, would be like encouraged like to not maybe make condemnations, but they will ultimately. Hmm. But... I don't know. It's hard to say. I think one thing that's interesting, like speaking of pictures and images, though, is if this happens, how does it go down? Is there a mugshot? Does the district attorney's office communicate with Secret Service or the FBI in a way to like have Trump come to New York? Do they handcuff him? (laughs) Is there like a perp walk? Like, I'm just fascinated, like how, like Mark Kelly said, this is unprecedented. How do they handle this? Like, do they let Trump just sort of walk in quietly and really let him release the news? I don't know. It's just like it's just fascinating how this is going to go down, because if you indict anyone else with a grand jury, you do have handcuffs. You do have perp walk. You do have mugshot. And this is the former president. I think sometimes, though, they, they do have negotiations with the lawyers, like turn them in. Really kind of seems up to Trump in some ways. Does he get off his plane wave to the cameras, <laughs> you know, act like he's getting off Air Force One. Right. You know, I, I, I mentioned the idea of like putting Ron DeSantis up to the test of, an, you know, stopping the extradition. The truth is, Trump's lawyer said they're going to turn him in. They just probably know, like, this is New York. Yes, one juror can blow the case for them and it can be a non-guilty verdict. Mm-hmm. But there's a really good chance that, that a jury in New York could convict him. So I think that his lawyers are probably thinking instead of getting Ron DeSantis to refuse extradition or turning this into some sort of like face off, let's just actually cooperate because this is actually a legal matter that you're going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. As much as I know that they want to to use the political pageantry of, a, of an indictment to sort of corral the base and maybe dare a rival to make a move, I think ultimately like... It's New York City. He could get convicted there. Mm-hmm. So. That is, yeah, that's totally right. Yeah, I mean, all this, you know, if there is a mugshot, I, it just popped into my head. There are, like, all these politicians over the last couple decades who have been indicted and arrested for a variety of things, and so many of them smiled. John Edwards smiled in his mugshot. Tom DeLay, former House Republican in Texas, was arrested for money laundering. He smiled. Rick Perry was arrested. <laughs> He smiled. I don't know. The thought process of like, do you smile in your mugshot if you're a politician is kind of interesting to me because there's definitely a conversation being had with 
advisors and consultants on whether to smile in a mugshot. So I feel like Trump is the kind of guy who would smile and try to do his two thumbs up thing. But we will see if that even happens. Yeah, he might go like this, put his two fingers up like Nixon, you know, (laughs) Uh, peace signs. Exactly. All right, Tara, thank you for talking through all of this. By the time you're listening to this podcast, maybe Trump's already been indicted or maybe this will never happen at all. Uh, In that case, thanks for spending the last 20 minutes with us. Appreciate it, Tara. (laughs) Thank you, Peter. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13, and produced by Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck. Puck.